And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. Welcome back to One Bills Live, Steve Tasker. Pleased to be joined once again today by Josh Reed. Josh, thanks for coming on. I know you you had a chance to pull the eject button, but you came back in. Anyway yeah, today. I was told I didn't have a choice. Oh, yeah. I had well, one? I, yeah, you could have just not shown up. That's what, you know. <laughs> no, I had a good time yesterday. Apparently people at fast food restaurants for, who don't show up for work either. I, it's giving me problems in my daily routine. But uh, it's glad to have you back, Steve Tasker. We're here till 3 o'clock, Steve and Josh. And we we're today we... It's the slow time of year, no question, uh, but we're doing this thing. We're wearing T-shirts today. For those of you watching on MSG, we've got T-shirts today uh, commemorating uh, Give Buffalo, 716 Day. Uh, and a uh, huge deal coming up. Uh, on, it starts on the 14th, actually. You can get in on it early. Uh, Sean and his wife, Jamie McDermott, are matching $50,000 in donations on, uh, on, seven, on the 14th of July uh, at 8 o'clock. Uh, they're giving away Josh Allen autographed jerseys, a hundred of them. That's great. But you got to give at least seven hundred and sixteen bucks to get one. Um, so, you know, and it's the first hundred donors who give seven hundred sixteen bucks get one of the jerseys. That's what it says here, anyway. The first Meanwhile, seven hundred yeah. sixteen bucks not, for for a jersey for Josh Allen's jersey. Those. Have you ever bought a jersey lately? Those things are expensive. They're pricey. That's, and, and you're They're doing pricey. it for a good, good yeah, cause. Yeah, you're doing so it for a good cause. So, yeah, that. And then on Friday the 15th, a bunch of companies, including Delaware North, Key Bank, Dave and Adams, Card World, Wegmans, Highmark, M&T Bank, East Buffalo. Uh, Rick Jenneret jumped on and donated 500 banners that he signed. Uh, Bill Sabres Foundation. Now, there's some question, too. The Bills and Sabres Foundations – are not one of the charities you donate to in this Give 716. They're on board giving. Mm-hmm. So um, they're on board matching your donations and stuff like that. So you're giving to one of 500, I think 525 different big and small charities in and around the region that are given uh, given 716 day. So uh, we're wearing the T-shirts today. Thanks for coming in. We're going to – cool stuff to talk. We had, you know, what are you going to do a show on on a Tuesday in July when nobody's around? Peter King saved us today because he came out on Football Morning in America on Monday and they had suggestions from people he's received from people he knows or have reached out to him. How would you improve the NFL? He threw thirty of them on to his Football Morning in America. We've been going round and round with some of them are pretty good. There's really good ones, really good, and some of them are like, eh, maybe not so much. There's some that maybe. In theory, sound like a good idea, but in practice, there's no way you could pull it off. I get your, I get where your heart's at. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's not happening. Yeah, right. But still, uh, we're going to go down the list and do that. And you can reach out to us and call us at eight zero three zero five fifty or eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Give us a call. Give us some advice about how you would improve the NFL. Now, let's all acknowledge off the top: there's not too much broken with the NFL. It's it's a multi billion dollar industry, and it's growing like a weed. Um, in a rainstorm. So, uh, you know, there's not too much that needs to be fixed, but there's stuff we all notice uh, and we kind of like fixed, yeah, particularly in your own backyard. There's a fine line of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Improving. if you're staying in the same spot, you're kind of going backwards type of right. thing. So you got to find that happy and medium. And there's a difference between changing it and improving it. Sure. And, and some of the stuff... 
um, is a little bit minutia. Some of it is a small difference that could make a big difference for a lot of people. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, you get a lot of stuff going on, and it, you know that the first one he throws out, uh, and I don't want to jump into this too fast, but you know the seventeen games, uh, this OT thing, and this is for Bills fans. It, you start right off with the thirteen second game where the OT and we miss the coin flip and we lose. Okay, so he says, let's not. There's no field goals and no kicking in overtime. You got to go for it on fourth down. Or you lose. Or you get the ball back. You give the ball over to your opponent. You can't punt. You can't kick uh, in overtime, which forces teams to go for it all the time. And I get that. Uh, okay. what's you know? How long does that last? Does both, do both teams get a chance to possess the ball? All that, all that can be answered. But I don't know. What do you think? Because what it does is, Josh, you, know, you can't use, like if you're the Baltimore Ravens or the Bills, you got your great kicker. You can't use him. You got a great punter. You can't use him. I'm good with it because I think everybody kind of is trending toward the go for it on fourth down. Anytime it's fourth and less than five, people are going, you know, the metrics say you should go for it here. You know, they just, they just go with that. I, I, I clearly think that something needs to be done with the overtime rule. I'm in favor of an entire extra period. I'm give me an extra 15 minutes and and just keep going until the end of it and no kicks. No kick, no field goals during that 15 minutes, no extra points. Actually, I think I'd be okay with field goals, no extra points. You score a touchdown, you have to go for two. No punts? I'm actually okay with the punts. That doesn't bother me because you're playing a full – Right. It's it's very much like the regular game. I think you almost have to eliminate the extra points because then you're – narrowing the chances of it going to a possible second yeah. overtime, and you don't want to get into that. Here's the thing, too. We're all, we all, particularly here in Buffalo, have got that Kansas City-Buffalo divisional round game on our minds. And the problem with this is, is this. At some point, the game has to end. Mm-hmm. That's what we didn't want to happen when we were watching that game. We just wanted to keep going. We wanted Josh to score. We, want, we just want to keep watching and have your team win. You just want to keep watching those two guys go at it. Josh was unbelievable. Mahomes was almost was perfect in that game. The way they extended plays that got everything coming to him. Josh extending the draw. I mean, everything. The whole everything about that game was why we watch the game. Everything yeah. about it. Yeah, and you say here in Buffalo, but I mean, there are fans. There are NFL fans in every state that you right. talk to, right. and they'll tell you that was the best game they saw all year last sure. year. Absolutely, and not even close. Oh yeah. I get it. I and mean, that's why we didn't want it to end. Yeah. That's why we said, well, we should have had I wanted Josh to get the ball one more time. Of course. Well, that, Everyone yeah, wanted that. And if it would have been the other way, the Chiefs fans would have said, I wanted Mahomes to get the ball one more time. And I get it. You have to get it. You have to acknowledge, yeah, they probably would have felt that way. One group of people didn't want Josh to get the ball. Yeah. And that's Kansas City yeah, Kansas fans. City. <laughs> right. That was it. I get it. But that's what we're talking about when you get to the overtime. The games are always so good. And, they're, and particularly games where you know, it was 31-31 or whatever it was. And you didn't want it to end, 34-34. You didn't want the game to get over. You want to watch those guys, particularly at the end of that game when they were humming. The defenses were tired, and they couldn't – the offense had to drop it for it to stop, get stopped. And it's, it was a lot of fun. That's what we're talking about. So you kind of have to temper the rule changes with that – that was a point in history, a moment in time that, you know, it's not going to happen very often. I, I don't know. Just, like I said, you give me an extra – 
15 minutes. Because now I'm guaranteed an extra 15 minutes of what I watched there yeah, in yeah, the yeah, yeah. second half. You know, That's let both true. those offenses get the ball twice. And the, There's a good chance they both get the ball twice right. in overtime. And the point is, if it doesn't matter who scores or how they score or whatever, they go all the way to the end of the 15 minutes. So you could score 21 and beat them by 21 points in an overtime game. Sure. Or it could be, you know, a tie again. Um, but if you score a touchdown and a field goal and they only score a touchdown, you win. But you got to go all the way to the end of the time instead of just the next score, that sure. kind of thing. So you've got a time. And let's face it, in that Bills-Chiefs game, the Chiefs scored with 2.02 left. And you th- everybody's like, ooh. Yeah, the, the Bills scored off. with 13 seconds. No, it was 1.02 left. And the Bills scored in 47 seconds or something like that. 48 seconds. And then 13. Yeah. Three touchdowns. Well, that's field goal. Three touchdowns. And, yeah, yeah. Field goal. Three, yeah. three scores in less than two Five minutes. scores. Because they, they did it before right. that, too. It was five touchdowns in the last. Imagine giving both of those offenses the ball again for yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes. I mean, it's just so you know that's what you're looking at. So I'm, I'm, I yeah. You, you'll never get it right because you know all those overtimes. You think, oh, if we, if this, and you always, you know, if this and then that, and all, you kind of make assumptions about how it would have turned out. You don't know, but it was a fun game to watch, and and people are still talking about changing the rules because of it. Because it, when you get moments like that. You know, we got to savor them. And they had been talking about changing that role for a while. That game, you feel like kind of, kind of really pushed it toward the yeah. front, the forefront of yeah. everybody's conversation yeah. this offseason. How would you improve the National Football League? Give us a call at 803-0550. We've got some stuff here. Peter King wrote an article. He's a friend of the show, wrote an article, uh, Football Morning in America. And, you know, guests, his guests, you know, just people who write into him, you know, how would you improve it? And they got some pretty there's good some stuff. Good and there's a ton of stuff here, too. One that, that These seem like no-brainers, too. There's a couple in here like, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like this 17th game that we've all talked about. Um, now, last year, the Bills had nine home games. This year, they'll have eight. And all the NFC teams will have nine, and the AFC teams will all have eight. So what, there's a lot of ideas about what to do with that odd game. And just give each team eight home, eight away, and then play games someplace else. Indeed. And there's a lot of variations of this, which you, I, I'm, I'm kind of mixing some of these ideas together now. Like play them at, at neutral sites. You know, Bills Cleveland in, in Erie. You know, that kind of thing. Not, not, they don't have a stadium in Erie, but you get, like, or at Beaver Stadium. Have the Steelers and the, and the Eagles play in Beaver Stadium in Penn State College Station. That, those kind of things. But play the 17th game at neutral site for these two teams, right? And that's kind of a good idea for me. It, it would expand the game, give Towns a chance to host a game that they haven't had a chance to do before. Yeah, I covered Penn State football for a decade, and that place oh, it's, is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And I, when it's rocking, it's so much fun. If you've fun. never driven through down to the college station... You're driving through the hills of, of Pennsylvania. Kyle will know what that looks like. And you round a bend or come over a hill or something, and all of a sudden you see that, like, it looks like a spaceship or some sort of something got dropped in the hills there that's like, it, it takes you a second to grasp the scale of how big Beaver Stadium is. It's huge. And it, it, it just looks like it just, somebody just set it in there. It's spectacular. It's awesome. It it's really is awesome. With over fans, I mean, I, I had a chance to cover a bowl game 
that Penn State played Boston College in. They played it at Yankee Stadium. They mm. still play bowl games there. It's called the Pinstripe Bowl. Right. Imagine the Bills. Pl- play imagine there. the Bills playing their 17th game in a schedule in Yankee at Stadium. Yankee Stadium. How cool is that? I mean, pretty cool. Right. Let, let them play the Giants there. Yeah. That's fun. That's yeah. a good. I mean, I think awesome. That's a, right. Then it's that it's neutral huge site. Event. Huge event. Wrigley Field. Find a way to find a way. I don't know if you can put a football field in there with the you can with the bricks. You can. Yeah, they played the them Bears played there, right. There. That's what in I thought. In fact, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a story. Um, I was doing a Bears game and I was speaking to Mr. McCaskey, uh, who runs the the Bears. It, um, they were built. It was right at the time when the new stadium that Soldier Field got built, and it was a few years old. We, it was the brand new stadium. One of the things about the new stadium that they wanted to put in was the fact that back in the twenties or thirties. When the Bears played at Wrigley Field, they said, it was widely known, that the best seats in professional football were the right field stands, second deck, along the right field wall. Because you were up, and it was right there. So they recreated those seats in the new Soldier Field because they played at Wrigley Field, and everybody said it was great. And it is. It caused some problems. Because when we're in the broadcast booth, the roof's a little low. They, they come down over the top. You can see the whole field, but if the, they punt it, you can't follow the ball. And they had to put a scoreboard inside underneath because the, the, the ceiling is so low in the broadcast booth, you can't see the air. Like, if he puts a little air under it, you lose the football because the roof is low because that second tier comes down so – and they are phenomenal seats. And but, imagine, you know, the concern is gone now with – the facilities not being as nice because if you've been in any of these college football stadiums, oh, <laughs> go down to the swamp sometime. Imagine a game being yeah. an NFL game being played at the swamp. You know, take a couple of the Florida teams, let them play at the swamp. Have you ever been to these, these facilities? Penn State's facility, Florida Gators facility, Alabama. Their facilities are as nice as any NFL facility. So I mean, that's that's not even a problem at all. I mean, the locker rooms are going to be. Right. Plenty nice enough. Now, I played – I did play back in – I can't remember the, the year. Uh, you'll remember there were wildfires out there in San Diego. It was when the charges were in San Diego. There were wildfires in Southern California, and the smoke was so bad that people had to evacuate, and they put them in the parking lot of Qualcomm Stadium there, the San Diego Stadium. They couldn't play the game there. I commentated a game between the Miami Dolphins and the San Diego Chargers in Baton Rouge. And it was when Nick Saban had left LSU to go to B. That oh, he was wow. when he was the head yeah, coach sure. of the Dolphins, right? So Nick Saban bringing the Dolphins into Baton Rouge to play against the San Diego Chargers and all those jokers. We did that game, and it was it was I like nothing you've ever seen. It was off the hook. Yeah, yeah. People were going crazy. I'm just sitting here thinking of the different arenas to play a game. Rose Bowl. Oh my god! Yeah, awesome. believe me, I'm, play yeah, a game at the Rose Bowl. I've got right? emotional well, scar tissue sure. from the Rose Bowl, but yes, stuff like so that. Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and it, up until up until the Raiders did their thing, you could have played in the Coliseum. Sure, you know that kind of stuff. But you know now it's it's a nice stadium now, but not like the sandbox it was when 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 I was playing in it. Sure. Um, yeah, there's a ton of them. A ton of them. You can even go to you know Missouri, all the you know Oklahoma. Or you play in Oklahoma City uh, or the Sooners in in Norman. Uh, some of these college towns, they've all got huge stadiums. Sure. 
And they're, they're seating 80,000, 90,000. And they'd fill them up. Sure they do. They sure would fill them up. But that's a great idea for the 17th game. Here's the other thing that would be cool is it's the fall, so colleges are in session. Oh, my god! So now yeah. you're going to a campus where yeah. they're getting fired up for an NFL game to be there on a oh, Sunday. Oh, wow, that would be so right? awesome. That would be so fun. Right? You pull into we a We could campus. do the show from down there, right? I mean, imagine that, though. For real, you've got – all these kids going to class on a Friday, getting geared up. Well, let's face it, college kids, they start getting geared up for stuff on a Thursday. Yeah, they, they get geared up they Thursday, up. Friday. You have a student That's section. Fun. You have to have a student section. Sure. And you have a student section for both teams. Right? Well, and then you start almost doing something like how they giving do out college t-shirts game for this, day. Giving out Yes, absolutely. Right? You yeah. do a college game day type yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, I get thing. it. That'd be pretty cool. Right? That's college game idea. day is so much fun to That's watch. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Steve Tasker and Josh Reed, One Bills Live. We're taking your ideas for how to improve the National Football League. We get it. It's not broken. Our friend Peter King got a bunch of suggestions from people all over the country, uh, and we're going over some of the better ones. We're going to throw some of them out because uh, they're just not feasible. But, like, like one of the interesting ones, because soccer is getting big mm-hmm. here in North America, and I enjoy watching it, and, and – uh, the the thing that happens in European soccer, if any of you watch Ted Lasso or are familiar with soccer, is it's relegation, which means if a team has doesn't win, doesn't win again, doesn't win again, can't win at season after season, they get what's called relegated, which means they go to a lower level of football or soccer and have to play different teams. They get less money, they get less television exposure, all of that stuff, and the, and the you know the the suggestion was. The NFL should relegate some teams. I get it. The problem is, where do you relegate them to? Yeah, there's not enough teams, right? There, you don't want to. You don't want to shorten the league. You don't want to go from 32 teams down to 24. Yeah, or put 16, eight teams, or, or 16, yeah. or 20, do whatever. You don't want to have that happen because it, it, you don't want the league to shrink because you can always get a team that goes from worst to first. It's happened too often for that to. Ha- to happen. Plus, Bengals are a good example. That's a Bengals are a great example. Struggled for years, and they get Burrow. They catch lightning they in a bottle. That's right. They catch lightning in a bottle. Um, it has happened so often. You don't really want to take that out of the mix. Uh, certainly, there have been teams that have struggled. I mean, you know, the Bears, the Detroit Lions, uh, recently the Jacksonville Jaguars. Although, you know, the Jacksonville in their history have played well uh, under t- when Tom Coughlin first started the franchise. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Relegation is a the problem. Number one problem is who are they going to play if they don't play in the NFL? Yeah, you'd be playing the same team every three weeks. Right. You can't. Nobody wants to see that. Right. And then, I mean, it may sound funny at first, but fantasy football is such a big deal. Oh man. Then what do you do? Yeah. What do you do, do with do? those teams? What are you going to do? Right? With, what Those are you teams do? that are relegated. Is there a separate fantasy league that yeah, you have to start they can't for the in, relegated? They can't be in the NFL then, right? Right. I get it. I get That's, it. it, it, yeah. it like it's a fun thought to kick around, but there's in practice, there's no shot. It just, right. it just couldn't happen. Right. Um, another one uh, that's a really good suggestion, I think, that has some merit is to mess with, not mess with, but change – uh, the parameters of field goals themselves. Uh, you can do that by putting an extra set of uprights inside the normal uprights, which are 18 and some inches apart. You can make some that are four feet inside that, make them, you know, 11 feet and some inches apart. 
up inside. So you'd have a four-pronged set of goalposts. Now, why would you say? Here's why. On longer field goals, hit the suggestion was that you have to hit it through the narrower uprights, not the wider ones. When you get close, it's easy. When you've pushed the ball further into their territory or gotten the ball further into their territory, it's an easier score for points. When you have to work, it gets easier once you get closer. Further away, the narrow you have to hit the narrower goalposts. So you think, wow, that makes it even harder. Yes, it makes it even harder to score points, but it also incentivizes moving the football closer. It would be weird to see a running back run backwards five yards right, right. in order to get an extra point. For a right. kicker, and here's because why. it'd be a little further. Because part of the suggestion was that if it's an over 50-yard attempt, you'd get four points for it. Yeah. And I, but, but Okay, so let's carry that to the extreme. So you get, like you said, you're pushing it down. You've got the ball on the 35, which makes it – no, on the 30, which makes it a 47-yard attempt. So do you drop back three yards, Take kneel down, so it's a 50-yard attempt in order to get the extra point? An extra point on top of the three points. It'd be a four-pointer instead of a three-pointer if he can put it through the narrower uprights. That's what you're looking at. And I, and I have a problem with any time when you incentivize not doing your best. Sure. Right? That's an issue. I, that's a problem. And that's something the league fights against and its unintended consequences. However, what if... You got, you know, your point, you, it would take ties. It would take overtime right off the table because how about if you got um, four points for a 50-yarder or five points for a 55-yarder, four points for a 50-yarder, you know, three points for a 35 to 50-yarder, and it goes all the way down to a one point for anything under 25 yards. What if you took points off that but it became more sure? Like you know, like you said, like the the field goals, the field goal, the the wideness of the upright. I don't know. The combination of scores would be so wide ranging; it, it would, would almost hard. eliminate. Overtime. It would almost eliminate overtime. What if it was like a tenth of a point for every yard? Well, then the it, field goal then, was. Then overtime would be gone. Yeah, it would. It would be there'd be one overtime game a season. It wouldn't even be. No yeah. way. Well. Yeah, it wouldn't be. Probably not. Probably not. But every field goal would be a different value. What if you took extra points? Think about it. If a 55 yarder is worth five and a half points. What if you picked where you kicked the extra point from? You get to pick yeah, yeah. the distance and of an extra point. And it's a tenth of a point every yard? Right? You want to talk about putting... Well, then you then you got, you got to make it inside the smaller uprights, though, right? I mean, but, but you maybe, see, do you? You see what I'm saying? Oof. Right, I'm, I'm. Let the extra points. I gotta let you that. get to. Pick, you gotta marinate on. That I gotta one. percolate on that one. <laughs> you give, it, I tell you what, you want to talk about incentivizing having a good kicker, because now if you've got just a kicker and you're lining it up from 35, and you're like, okay, I'm pretty confident with this. If you've got Tyler Bass and you're going, I'm gonna drop back to 50 because I know he's gonna split the uprights. No big deal. My extra so you get five worth, points. My extra point's going to be, well, even if, just say it's worth three. You right. get a three-point extra point instead of a one-point extra point. That's huge. Man, oh, man, that would change. That, oh Everything. My, that makes my head explode. <laughs> that's wild. But, you, yeah, that's, it, 
I, I'm, I'm, I struggle with messing with the points kind of thing, but yeah, uh, you've got to incentivize. I think you've got to continue to incentivize trying your best. Um, when you start not doing that, you run into problems. But I, this field goal stuff is really intriguing to me because that's one way you could really change the dynamics of the end of drives or the, you know, the games and all of that stuff. Um, wow. It, we'll see. It's a know. lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot for a Tuesday. It's a lot for a Tuesday, and it's a lot for a feeble mind like mine. Because <laughs> it, it really does add a, a dimension. The, and one of the things, and I was in the room when they – when they decided on changing the kickoff rules uh, after so many decades where you have now it is what it is now. Uh, I was in the room when they were deciding that. The one thing that overrides those discussions is unintended consequences. The ripple effects, because it's so complicated and the rules books are so complicated, they run into things where a guy will see a loophole and all of a sudden he's beating the system somehow unexpectedly, and it gives them a game or whatever. Because even if it gives them a game, they'll change the rule immediately. But, uh, you know, that game is gone. So they, they, they don't like where it will change the entire strategy of the game in order to make this other thing happen because of a new rule change, that kind of thing. They, they, they really go in and out of trying to outsmart the rule book when they change these rules. And that tenth of a point for every yard a field goal is, that would yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that it would change. I don't know that you could find a loophole in giving a team a chance to pick their distance for an extra point. I don't know how that would because right. it, like, touchdown right. is scored. Right. All right. You're still no scoring. matter what. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a chance. You could probably still go for two. That would still be an option. Mm-hmm. You could kick from the, the the normal spot where it is now for one point. Or you could give them the opportunity, a team an opportunity, a coach, a kicker, to drop back 10 yards for one more point. Yeah, so you go or, for two with a long field goal. A yes. Long, yes. Now, or you can go for three and bump it back 20 yards. Because so I don't be, know, because you're not really doing anything. So you're not taking any. It'd be a 45-yarder. For for three points, yeah, and I'm just throwing yeah, that number right. out. I'm saying that tinker with it, it yeah. yeah. You can you can move that yeah. number around. It's interesting, but it's yeah. Anytime you're gonna you you got a kicker like that, and you're gonna go for those extra points. You've, of course, you've got a match, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and in the immediate future, the Bills would be in a sweet spot right sure. there, Tyler Bass. Sure, big strong leg, and so you want to see you want to see kickers start getting drafted. Right, uh, you know what? You're we'd right. Be, we'd be talking about kickers getting drafted in the fourth round. Yeah, and, and several. Or the third and several. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, last one. This is a no. I'll end this segment. This first segment of the show on on a no brainer, and this is the Super Bowl Saturday instead of Super Bowl Sunday. No brainer. It this just means moving the moving the Super Bowl up 24 hours after a two week layoff after the championship games. And having all day Sunday without the NFL and just giving you a chance to recover. Recover is a good word. That's yes. the right word. Recover. recover from a long build up to a big game. Yeah. Uh, they should do it. Yeah, this should be the year they do it for us. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. I, I'm, I'm, I like it. I'm all about it. Super Bowl Saturday. Uh, Super Bowl Saturday is. I, I, we should have a national referendum that just, just sign a petition. That says, listen, from now on, play the Super Bowl on a Saturday. It absolutely makes too much sense. Companies and businesses around the country would back that 100%. 
you know, my people are celebrating a Super Bowl Sunday and their team wins, and I'm going to need to take a sick day. Right. I'm going to need, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not going to make it till noon today. Right. 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 I'm off today. I'm taking a sick day. Yeah. Uh, plus, I mean, it's not like it, you're depriving the teams of the ability to prepare because they get a week off between them anyway. Um, if you're not ready the travel, by Saturday. The travel becomes much easier for the hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of people who go in and out of the Super Bowl city. Um, you ju- you're just – the the parade takes place the next day. It's on a Sunday. They come back. They got that thing all planned. You just hop on the buses, go down the street, and that's all done for the next work day. Perfect. Business can go on. and Everybody feel a little bit better. It's just a no-brainer, Super Bowl Saturday. Yeah, I, I love it. And then, I'd like to hear the counter-argument. I don't know that there is one. I don't know who I mean, be. you know how it is, though. Somebody would find, somebody'd find an issue with it. Yeah, somebody would. But it, it, come on. There's... I, I mean, it I makes think too much of, sense, of, of and the, I'm not saying I'm not condoning the way you know people getting out of hand and all that. But I'm just saying yeah, for travel and all that stuff, you know, that it, because you know you you have to have a party. The game doesn't get over, and the hoopla doesn't get over until like ten thirty at night. Then you got to kick the people out of your kick house. the people out of your house, clean up the, go, after the party, you drive up. home, whatever. Yep, and you got to get up for work the next morning after being away from home all day the day before now you're doing it on a saturday get up have yourself some coffee yeah i'm i'm yeah. all about it Me too. i am all about you do it not have to, yeah. that is of of all the 30 things that were mentioned one. that's the one that's, that's the, a no-brainer that is the absolute that is slam the one that's dunk. A no-brainer. there's a couple of there's a bunch of them that are pretty good this one like i said if, if you put this on the ballot it would pass unanimously even in this political climate uh, Steve Tasker, Josh Reed, we're here here to tell you here with you until three. Um, we've got we're going to go through a bunch more of these topics. What do you think? What is your idea to improve the NFL? We understand that it's not broken, but uh, we've got a lot of ideas. We're going to hear, hear some of these. This is an article that Peter King put out from Football Morning in America, friend of the show. And we thought it was a great idea, and some of them were really great, and some of them were poking some holes in. You can come join us at eight zero three zero five fifty. This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker along with Josh Reed. We're improving the National Football League today with our friend Peter King of Football Morning in America. We got a couple of uh, you know suggestions here that are actually you know they're okay, and and a lot of it has to do with the way the game presents on television. And I get it. Um, one of the things is uh, that they say is the play clock going to no, – hold it, not the play clock. I want to get there yet. Oh, end night games earlier. Having these games get over like 1130 at night on the East Coast is too late for some people. Like the Monday night games, the Thursday night games, and the Sunday night games. Is you, you can't – it's tough for people to stay up that late. Hey, and I I've get got a it. running back in fantasy football. I got to stay up at a game <laughs> right. that I don't really even care about, right? Because I got to see if he gets that extra ten yards. And I think it's, it's takes. Tough. And I know this too. Young kids. Some parents are all right. Just watch the game. I don't care. But some kids, you know, it's it's rough on them. And if you want to grow the, game, you got to make sure kids can see all the games they want to see for the next generation. Uh, which leads into one of the other suggestions that they had, and that is on Sundays you have the 1 o'clock, the 425, and the 825 kickoff. 
And we already talked about the 825 being moved up so they can get it done. Another one is they because when they have games in London where you can get up on the East Coast and there's a 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. game coming on in London. And having an, an early broadcast window on Sundays for everybody in the country where you can get up, like in the West Coast, 1 o'clock Eastern time is, what time is it? It's like 10 a.m. It's perfect. Right. People love it. So put one of those in for the East Coast as well so people can get up in the morning and watch football on a Sunday at 10 a.m. I don't have a problem with that if they want to. Uh, but it just gives them one more window and, you know, makes more – it gives them access to another game that you can watch live. Yeah, I've been out on the West Coast before covering a Bills game, and the games have started. And you're sitting there in the hotel and you're going – it's 9.45, and there's a game getting ready to start. Right. And it's awesome. Job. Yeah. It's great. You want to talk about filling your day with the NFL. I mean, it is literally from the minute you wake up. Now, the problem would be covering the games if you're, you're here on the East Coast, right, and it's an East Coast game that Oof. early. Yeah. Whew, you're getting up bright and early. But yeah. then again, your day, your day ends early, right? If you're at the stadium and you're a fan, right, you're going to the game, Sure, you got to be at the tailgate now at eight a.m., but you're also you're done tailgating by by four, and you're done right. and you're out. Yeah, you're like you're home you're, by four. Yeah, you want you're go home, home by you, two o'clock. You can go home and watch the night game at home. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're um, yeah you're you're on your couch by the four o'clock kickoff. That's right, and that that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's just instead of putting the games later at night, later at night, put them earlier. Yeah, one o'clock is great. I mean, it's it's a tradition. But if you have one game, maybe it's a national game. Kicks it off at 10 a.m. East Coast time. And do it. Um, now, it does preclude where that game's kicking off. Sure. You can't kick it off in L.A. No. You know, at 6 a.m. I don't think you can. You, you it is the could. NFL. You could. It is the NFL. If you want to flex. They'd, they'd find, <laughs> they'd, people would watch. People would get up knowing that they need, you know, Two Oof. touchdown passes from their starting fantasy quarterback. Oh, my gosh. It'd be so bad. So bad. Here's another one, too. And some of these suggestions, and rightfully, we talk about this all the time. Technology plays a role in some of these suggestions. Here's one. that, And how many times it drive you crazy when you see Aaron Rodgers? This, this guy, the suggestion came. This is the Aaron Rodgers rule. Okay. Well, there's some of the quarterbacks – push the play clock as late as they can, and you'd swear, because you can see the play, we can all see the play clock, he sees the play clock, and they go a half second or a second late every single time. And they don't get called, because the official looks at the play clock when it's zero, he comes down and looks at the ball, and between the zero and coming down, then the ball is snapped between those times. So they always give him that extra half second or full second. Aaron Rodgers has worked that forever. And what they should do, and what they're saying now is put a a buzzer that the official can feel or hear on his belt that is in tune with the play clock. They reset the play clock, and when the official feels the buzz and the ball's not snapped, it's a flag. Now, you're splitting hairs to me because the reason the quarterback like Aaron Rodgers pushes it that far is because they let him push it that far. As soon as they change it, he'll stop, and he'll snap it on one instead of zero. Um, but some of the stuff like that being used or being suggested, it, it drives people crazy when they see the other guy doing that. 
Sure, and and to your point, and it's it's the point. Aaron Rodgers does it because Aaron Rodgers has been able to get away with it. I'm yeah. going to tell you right now, a rookie is trying to push that. They're not getting away with it. Aaron right. Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Right. And he's going to get a and little I'll, more wiggle room. And I'll say this, too. Every team's got a file on officials. Sure. They know who calls that stuff and who doesn't. Sure. And they'll go into the game, and, they'll te- and they, they work them. They'll say, listen, I, I'm going to get this playoff. I can do it whenever I want, but I'm going to push the play clock to the limit. I promise I'm going to get it off and not make you look bad. And the official's like, fine, I appreciate it. Or he's going to say, don't push me. Now, what's Aaron Rodgers reading in a defense in that point? It's film study, too. Some guys guys get, hey, I don't know. Right? But they do. The later you push it, the later you push it, the more antsy the defense gets. Plus, if you start doing it like that, you kind of, if you can, and think about it, you can see Aaron Rodgers do this. The defense can watch the play clock, too. And they know he's got to snap it at zero. So they go on zero, and he snaps it at 0.5. They're off sides. First sure. down. First down, no risk, no fuss, no muss. Let's go. And I guess if he does it so often and then snaps it on two, you've got, def- yes. you've got defensive linemen who are back on their heels a yeah, little bit. That's exactly right. Because they know that he usually winds it all the way down. All that's of a sudden right. he goes on three. All that's three for left. Real. Yeah. And a lot of this, and some of these, a lot of these suggestions that we're going over here in this, uh, in this, um, this list of 30 ways to improve the NFL have to do with the clock, play clock, and how fast the game is. Another good one is that you've all seen it where uh, if you've been in the stadium, you know they have these guys that carry bags full of footballs and follow the play up and down. they got guys that hold a couple of them. And the official, like when the guy catches the ball, goes out of bounds, drops the ball or whatever, the official kind of roots around, gets the ball – Ball boy comes out, and they give him a football, and the guy grabs it, and then he spots the ball, da 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 and then they go over, and then the play clock starts when they spot the ball. Well, the suggestion we have here, and I, I agree with it, they got to tighten that up to me. So whatever happens to the football they just played that play with, unless it's right there, the guy grabs and puts it right down, there's a, a ball boy. Right out, runs right out to the official, gives him a fresh football, and off the field they spot it, and the clay clock goes right away. So you'll be cutting, and over the course of 150 plays of the game, or 130 to 150 plays, you'll cut five, six seconds off of each of them, which you do the math, it's like 15 minutes sure. and off the game. Everybody wants things quicker now, right? Right. Every, everybody well, does. Well, not only quicker – but I want to see what I want to see. I want to see him play. I don't want to see the officials st- spot the ball and hold, stand over the ball and holding his hand up, looking around like, are we all set? Okay, let's <laughs> you go. don't want to see the camera guy right. running back to the, near the stands to go grab the football That's and right. bring it back to the rack. That's right. I want to see him spot the ball. And, have, and, and it puts pressure on the players and makes them be disciplined in, a, in an area of the game we don't normally think about. Get in the huddle. Get the play called. Let's go. And, you know, it forces coaching staffs to communicate better. It forces them to have the next play ready, to put the ball in play and get the – can you imagine how awesome it would be to have a two-hour and 40-minute football game that was awesome and great than a three-hour and 10-minute football game that was awesome and great? It just, you know. Yeah, everybody wants stuff packaged tighter. Right. They just and do. I know this too. They have done this in the past. They went from 15-minute halftimes to 12-minute halftimes because they wanted the game to fit in a three-hour window. And that was – Three minutes every game, they got back right away. Yeah, now I, I will warn you about this. <laughs> the 
because it won't take long for this to happen. They'll shave the five minutes off you're talking about, and guess where that's going to go? Right into commercials. <laughs> right into commercials. Yeah. So oh, guess what? It. That game that you're talking about saving an extra five minutes on, it's still going to fit in that they'll window. They'll sort that out. It's just gonna, they'll it's sort just that gonna out. It's going to be more Tide commercials. Yeah. They'll that's sort. Yeah. yeah, they'll be selling Chevys and Fords. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And you're right. Um, it does come down to that, and they'll do all of this stuff. They would do any of this stuff if it made them money, but they'll do all of it if it doesn't lose them money, sure, cost them money. And I get that, and that's, I'm, I'm okay with that. But by the same token, let's tighten it up. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, know, I can recognize far too many white hat officials in this league for my taste. Yeah. I, I, know, I like, oh, I, yeah, okay, I have this guy again, you know, yeah. even if I don't know their names. But Ed Hockley is a household name for a lot of people, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, they've become part of the show. Yeah. We know them. They don't need to be. You know who they are. Yeah. Oh, it's Mike Carey. Oh. They don't need We got Ed Hockley today. Yeah. There we go. I got, we got our guy. There are definitely a handful of them that you know. Yeah. There are. When you see they're, when you see they are a part of the game, you know they are going to be a part of the game. (laughs) That is not optimum, in my opinion. No. All right. We're going to take a break. Steve Tasker, Josh Reed, we're going to go keep going down in ways to improve the National Football League. If you want to chime in, go ahead and do that. We're going to go down Peter King's list from Football Morning in America. It's got some pretty good ones we've got lined up as well. We're also going to hear from Chris Brown and Maddie Glab on some preview videos that they have lined up for us coming up here just before training camp. We'll be right back. Steve Tasker, Josh Reed, One Bills Live from One Bills Drive. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. It's summer, and Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, wants us all thinking about sun defense. Coach is passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family, and he takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all of your sun protection needs. Wegmans will donate a dollar for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold through August 31st in Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse stores. It's a great way to protect your family and help the fight against skin cancer and think sun defense like Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. It's a great cause. I've lost a family member to skin cancer, and I, I feel that loss every day. So I'm glad Sean's doing that. That's great. And thank you, Wegmans, for being a part of that as well. Uh, Josh Reed, Steve Tasker here, One Bill's Live. We're talking about ways to improve the National Football League. It's not really broken. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're still um, – polishing it a little bit i think and one of the things that came up and this is the one that we we were going crazy over uh here it is now as you know seven teams from each conference make the playoffs and they are seated one through seven the top seed gets a bye and then two through seven play each other two plays the seven seed three plays the six four plays the five the suggestion was to add a little bit of spice and i love it is to have the Teams that make it's like the number one seed gets the bye week. The number two seed gets to pick. I love it. Who they play in the wild card round of the playoffs. They get to pick their opponent. And then whoever they pick, then the three seed gets to pick of the remaining two. And then, of course, the four seed gets to play whoever's left. I love it. What a storyline. I love it. I love it. What a storyline going oh. into the game, interviewing players in the locker room. 
I love, love, love it. If your team was picked, (laughs) if that two seed picked your team, basically saying we want to play you because you're the easiest back to the next round. So last year, let's just say this. So Kansas City's the two seed. They get a pick from whoever they want, and they get a pick from Buffalo, Cincinnati, Vegas, New England, Pittsburgh. And they and just say they, they pick Pittsburgh, right? You're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they pick you to go in there and play them. You're handpicked as their opponent. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's my It's such a goodness. fun storyline. What a f- – it, it just absolutely reeks of provocation. Oh, it, and the be- – how about this? Who's making – Who's actually the decision maker on who you're picking? Because the, the coach, there's going to be some players, right? That if They're, you're an offensive disagree. guy, they disagree. Yeah, if right, you're an right. offensive guy, you may look at their defense and go, no, 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 we don't want to play them. The Steelers are a great example, right? Right. So if you're a if you're a defensive player, you're looking at the Steelers' offense, going. Give me the Steelers, but that if you're exactly an offensive right. guy, you're looking at the Steelers, going, I don't want to see Watt. I'm good. With, who you else? Are exactly who else right. we, oh. and then exactly how much? Right. How much weight do, do the players carry in the, in that decision? And okay. the coach no. versus the coach. Think about this. Though. Oh, it's awful. Think about this. So you go on, and whoever it is, you lose or what? Talk about, think about the fan bases and the discussions they'll have. So much trash. Talk. There will be so much second guessing and trash talking. Oh my gosh! It is so. That is such a delicious idea. I love it. I just, that is so good. See, for instance, like last year, Tennessee. Then then the next round. Let's say the games all happen like they were. So it's Tennessee, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati in the next round. Who's Tennessee pick? Uh, how about this? Revert, take one step back, right? So, so let's just say Kansas City took Pittsburgh. Imagine the Bills taking the Patriots. Because <laughs> they should have. But right. The way they, they but, thumped them. But right. They crushed that. Yes. Right. You take the team in your division going, just, come like, on down. It's like come on down. Bruce, Bruce Lee standing there Step. in his little stance and giving yeah. you a little finger yeah. dwag cake. Yeah, come right. on, bring it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dance on their grave. Unbelievable. That, yeah, that's fun. That's fun to think of. Unbelievable. And then what if what if tennis what if Kansas City being the Chiefs, they they pick somebody like Cincinnati or Vegas, like the four or five seed, you know, instead of the six seven seed. Sure. Because it's all matchups. It's all matchups. And, you know, Cincinnati, you think, oh, okay, you know, they they thumped them in the regular season, beat them. I, I don't know, I can't remember. There was a game. They did. Mm-hmm. I think Cincinnati actually gave them a good game. I've, I'll I'll check that real quick. But the uh, think about the ramifications of that. Well, and then you you fast forward then at, going into that second round. Yeah, Tennessee. You talk about a huge advantage then for them. Think about it. The Bengals beat Kansas City thirty four thirty one in Week seventeen last year. So go. Chiefs are not going to want any part of that. Or no. maybe they do. They maybe they want to say, hey, bring it back. Come on back. No way. We were in I Cincinnati. don't think they wanted that. The, you're coming to our town this time. Yeah. Right? But imagine the advantage now if you're Tennessee. Because now, let's face it, week to week, there's injuries, right? The team that right. has an injury pop-up that wins, you go, they're a little more vulnerable now. Yeah. I want them. I want to Derek take Derrick Henry's them. out of the lineup. 
Sure. Ryan Tannehill's got a bad wheel. You want whatever to, it you is. You want to play that team? We'll take a shot at him, particularly in our place, it's, right? In our place, it's fun. It's oh fun my gosh, it, it is. It's it's total provocation, and at the from highest my level. Seat, and you're forced to. Oh, and from a media person's seat, <laughs> it's. I mean, talk about it's gold. free material. It's gold, Jerry. Yeah, it it's gold. gold. Think about it. Um, it's just that would be so fun. And because then you got to – because here's what you got to do. You can't have – you don't want your head coach going out there, yeah, we want, we want the Bengals. We, that's who we want. We, yeah. They can't hang with us. That kind of thing. You have to have the league announce where the games are. Here's how the – because you don't want anybody in your team standing up there and going, we think we can beat that team today. But the first question in the locker room and to the coaches <laughs> is, why did you pick them? Because they, su- they suck. Because we think we can roll We them. think we can roll them. They're the easiest path to the next round. They're our best matchup. You know? This guy and this guy stink, and we, we can We had to them. pick somebody. Right. Right, we had to pick somebody, and uh, they're the worst team. Yeah. Right. yeah, we actually just drew a name out of a hat. Oh, my gosh. Right? Or that's, what, that's the only way you could do it. If you go out there and just have, like, golf ball, you know, ping yeah. pong balls in a thing, we're just going to do it by random because we don't really care. That would be the quintessential, like, it's not up to us. Yeah, but every team would want to pick. You, they wouldn't. They, oh, yeah. They so you would, don't waste that. Yeah. All four, all four of them have the – Pats in them, right? Yeah. All four ping pong balls are the Patriots, yeah, right? You would, yeah, right, yeah. You'd label every single one with the same team logo, every ball. But, but every team, they wouldn't love the idea of having people know that they picked that team, but the idea, they would love yeah, the, the ability they would love to the do ability that. To do it. Yeah. it makes sense because you, you know, because you, know, you feel like, even fans, you feel like you know so much about those teams and what they are. Even as casual fans, like we knew, we felt like we knew who Cincinnati was. We felt like we knew who the Patriots were, the the Raiders. We knew those teams. You kind of got a feel for who they are and what they are. So you think, okay, we can. And for the Bills, it's like you know, you're the three seed. You think, ah, oh, we can match up with just about anybody. But if you're going to pick, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, the Chiefs aren't picking the Bills. You know what I mean? Right. They're right. not picking them. the the Chiefs are not picking the Bills. No. The Bill, but everybody and I and I get it. The seeding here is we we know these teams. The Bills might have picked Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Sure. Because they got beat by them on week opening weekend, and now everything's a little different. And we'll see. You might want to take your shot, or would they pick New England? Were they just I think they would pick them? New England. They crushed that. Oh, team. Plus they what the, a state. Plus the get the crowd would be all about oh, it. Oh, the statement that oh, would my make. Gosh. Yeah, that is a fun that is a fun suggestion that I would I would get behind. Right. Steve Tasker, Josh, we're going to be back with Chris Brown and Maddie Glad. We got a couple of videos we want to show you about some previews to the Buffalo Bills training camp. This is One Bills Live, One Bills Drive. And this is Buffalo Bills Radio. Tasker, who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve! Steve! A blimp? (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. Bill's training camp at St. John Fisher's just 12 days away. We're going to preview this year's camp with our latest installment of Training Camp 
Countdown, presented by Connors and Ferris. Maddie Glab and Chris Brown break down what the offense will look like with new offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey and what they think Josh Allen is going to improve on this season. Here's Maddie Glab. We continue to count down to Bill's training camp with some of the most anticipated storylines of the season. Maddie Glab here alongside Bill's insider Chris Brown. We are presented by Connors and Ferris today. One of the biggest storylines has to be what this Bill's offense could look like in the 2022 season. And first off, I'm so excited to see Dorsey's stamp on this offense with some of the added weapons that the Bills have this season. I mean, the opposing defenses, be warned, because this could be a pretty explosive offense. So, Chris, how do you think they could look different this season? Yeah, I mean, I think we look at what could change here. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's Dorsey's stamp on it. I'm anticipating a more aggressive approach offensively. This is a team that's entrenched in this system on the offensive side of the ball. As Dorsey has said, a lot of it is going to remain the same. The terminology is the same. So they can really hit the ground running here, incorporate the new pieces. But I think because of that runway that exists already, even though Dorsey is a first-time play caller, he's been here for three years, he knows what works, what doesn't, he'll incorporate the new pieces, and I think he'll have the confidence to take an aggressive approach with the talent he has at his disposal. Okay, so bigger picture there. Um, In 2021, the Bills averaged just under 30 points a game, 28.4, which ranked 30 in the NFL. And they also had the fifth best offense overall. So Josh Allen is entering his fifth NFL season. Where did the time go in his first few years (laughs) in the NFL? I can't believe he's already entering year five. But taking a look at just Josh Allen, how do you think he can improve in his fifth season? Yeah, I mean, we heard that he wanted to improve on throwing players open to establish a better yards after catch total for this team. They finished, I think, 30th in yards after Mm -hmm. the catch last year, which, okay, if you're going to nitpick for a top five offense and you want to find something where they can get better, that's probably one area. I think that Josh wants to also have a higher completion percentage. He, he was about a little over 64% last year. Mm-hmm. The year prior, he was closer to 70%. I think he wants to get back to that number. So increasing the, the efficiency rate of this passing game, I think, is another area where he definitely wants to be better. And, you know, you can look at all of the throws from last year and decide, well, is that one on Josh? Is that on the receiver? Is it on the weather conditions? Is it on the defense? I'm sure they've diced it up seven seven different ways to Sunday, but I think at the end of the day, he wants to be a more efficient passer as well. He had 42 total touchdowns in 2021, which ranked second in the NFL, but also had 15 interceptions, which tied for second most. So he's talked about, you know, I want to cut down on limiting some of those interceptions and giving the team more opportunities to score. And when you look at Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, the fact that they've been together for several seasons already. Sean McDermott pointed this out during minicamp. He said, I think we are light years ahead because we have an offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey. So the pairing of those two, it's the, the obvious is, of course, they're a step forward. But if you get into it a little bit more, why do you think they're going to start off on the right foot instead of, you know, okay, we need to ramp up here. We got to learn the terminology. We got to do X, Y, Z. Why are they already at at step five here? Because of what you said, there is a base and a foundation that already exists based on their prior relationship and the fact that the scheme is staying largely the same. So that allows them to refine certain things or put in some new things to say, hey, let's see if this works well with the the complement of weapons that we have. I think the other thing that's going to 
happen here is even though I am anticipating a more aggressive approach, I think it's going to be based on calculated risk, not reckless abandon, like let's just throw caution to the wind <laughs> and chuck it all over the field. And I so you say, well, how do they do that? So I think they can be more aggressive by spreading the field more often, mm-hmm. empty backfield type stuff. But I think also to help Josh with his completion percentage and keep it an efficient offense, we could be looking at more shorter completions, mm-hmm. high efficiency throws, throws that are more likely to be completed than, say, the 50-yard bombs down the field. Now, that's not to say they're not going to call shot plays. They'll have their share of those within the scope of the offense. But I think this offense has advanced to a point where they can be aggressive, take calculated risk, while also being a high-efficiency offense. Okay, you you talked about some of the things that the Bills could do differently, those those short passes. One thing that I'm excited about, just because of Ken Dorsey himself, we know his record at Miami, 38-2, and mm-hmm. which is wild. This guy knows how to win football games, and I love that he's seen the game from a vantage point of being a quarterback. He right. knows what it's like to be in those moments. He knows what it's like to probably have some really unique weapons on a team, and when you look at this roster, we have some some new players. We have an O.J. Howard. We have a James Cook. We have a Jamison Crowder. What new pieces to this offense could add a new wrinkle? Yeah, well, I've, Cook is the one that stands out because it's a it's a weapon out of the backfield that they haven't had before mm-hmm. in the Sean McDermott era. So you take a guy with polished route running skills from the running back position, also the guy who's got the fastest 40 time in the offensive backfield at 442, yeah. and Provided that he is quick on the uptake, he's going to be on the field just because of the skills he provides from that position. He offers a varied number of options to Ken Dorsey coming out of the backfield or lining up out wide. So he adds an air of unpredictability to the offense from the offensive backfield. So that's number one. Number two, and I've said this before, I believe Jamison Crowder is a better yards after catch receiver than Cole Beasley. Mm -hmm. They're both accomplished. They both have their set of strengths. But I think what Crowder brings is more yards after the catch. He's not just going to get to the sticks and fall down. There may be an 80-yard touchdown in there somewhere where he's running 60 of those yards. So because of that, I think you can point to the short completions to guys like Cook, to guys like Crowder, but they can turn them into something much bigger than that. Expectations for this offense. Are you expecting this offense to be a better offense than it was last season? This was one of the best offenses in the NFL last season, but with some of those added pieces, are you expecting them to take that step forward? Yeah, it's hard to say because we don't really know what Dorsey Mm -hmm. is going to be as a play caller. His decisions in what to call are going to be just as important as how well the execution is on the field. I want to have some resolute faith in a guy that's sat in the quarterback position before, knows how to call things, but it's different on game day when that play clock's running down and you got to have a, you have to have the right play for the right time and the right coverage that you're anticipating. So that's a work in progress. But I think because of the runway that this offense has produced in the past, you have an all world player in Josh Allen at the most important position on the field. I would anticipate more of the same based on what we've seen in the past. And that's a team that's scoring about 28, 29 points a game and is producing in the red zone and is unpredictable because of the new weapons that they've added that creates a more balanced offensive situation. I'm not saying balance in terms of run as much as they pass, but balance in terms of being able to spread the wealth Mm -hmm. 
across the offensive front. Yeah, talking to new quarterbacks coach Joe Brady, he said, number one, we have Josh Allen, and that is what helps this offense so much. We've seen what he's done in the last four seasons. Year five should be really exciting. I also think another thing that could help is, fingers crossed, a healthy and steady offensive line. The Bills yep. did not have that last season. They had guys in and out of the lineup. Hopefully that is not the case for 2022, but that's just a couple ways that the offense could look different and maybe even better this season. So if you guys want any more training camp content as we count down to training camp, please head to buffalobills.com. For Chris Brown, I'm Maddie Glab. We'll see you guys in Rochester. Thanks, Maddie and Brownie. That was good stuff. Uh, and They're right. There's going to be a lot of things different, a lot of things to look for in this new offense. Ken Dorsey is an unknown commodity, but so are some of the pieces that he's going to have to work with in the new, you know, Jameson Crowder, James Cook, plus all the pieces that we know and, well, know and love, you know, with Knox, Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Singletary, Ma, oh, you know, the, the whole gang. And then the offensive line, same thing. You got some new faces up there and all that. So it's there's a lot to take in, and they got a lot of work to do to come come together. I really like the decision to bring in Joe Brady. I, I think it's really kind of flown under the radar. This is a guy who was an offensive coordinator at Carolina, and I know it went sideways there for him, but keep in mind, you know, that, that offense is built around Christian McCaffrey, and he was never on the field. They never had a quarterback that position figured out. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to have a guy like that in the room to kind of help Ken Dorsey and bounce ideas off of him. You mentioned Aaron Cromer. That's another guy that, you know, I, and one of the things that I've always been impressed with the Bills and their coaching staff, and it starts with Sean, and trickles down. They're never afraid to not be the smartest guy in the room. Right. They're, they're always you, – you always get the feeling that, hey, if you've got an idea – I mean, it may not go into play. We may not use it, but we want to hear it. And I've right. always respected that about, you know, kind of the way they do things. And, and I don't know. I just I think the Joe Brady addition, he's obviously going to be Josh's new right-hand guy, right? He's the quarterback coach. Right. So I think, that, I think that's a good fit. And I, hiring him, I think, was a really good move by, by Sean and Brandon. It's quite a different offensive side of the football they have this year. Um, the quarterback's coach, the offensive coordinator, although, you know, Ken Dorsey got moved up, and Eric Cromer, the offensive line coach, moved in. So um, the offensive, uh, the wide receivers guy, same thing. Chad Hall's still there. They got, you know, um, same running backs coach, that kind of thing. But there's some new voices. And those voices have had varying degrees of play calling and other things in their careers as well. Um, 17's got a big voice. Yeah, we were talking about that. I, I agree. This, the thing about – Josh, you know, I think, well, what's, you know, you think, well, okay, who's calling the place for Josh? You know, Josh has a voice, particularly now he's going into year five and he's been in this offense for four years. So he, and Ken Dorsey was probably like this as a player too, say, and we were talking about it. Josh will probably say, listen, I don't, I don't like that play. I don't, I don't have any confidence in that play. I can make that. I don't like it. I don't like what it looks like when it drops back, when it looks like it's supposed to look, I don't like it. I don't see it that well. Take it out. And if you're not comfortable they don't. They, it's not getting off the, the way, ground to begin with. That is commonplace in yep. the NFL. Quarterback will say, "I want that, that, that out." But he'll also, at this point too, particularly with Josh in an offense he knows so well, he'll have some contributions to make. Say, well, we, you know, we, what we could do is go back. Remember when we did, you know, remember two years ago when we did this and this. Let's switch it and try and try this. Um, those kind of things. Ken Dorsey's going to be really in tune with that because he played the position. He was doing the same thing as a kid, you know, young in his career. Say, well, I, 
I'd like I'd rather have this guy run this and this guy do this route rather than that. And um, I remember sitting there talking to Frank uh, Reich uh, about red zone plays, and he goes, "I like this better out of three strong rather than this formation." I go, and he, it was because you had a different guy running the route. You know, let's do it out of this formation because then you got you know this guy running the out the corner route rather than this other dude, right? Or a guy in a different position. Uh, those kind of contributions are key. Uh, it's not about the play. It's about where the guys line up and who's running the certain route. Um, that makes a difference for quarterbacks. And those are the kind of subtleties that a quarterback can contribute to when you start banging around game plans. It's, and it's really crucial now. And it really, Ken Dorsey is in a great spot. And although he's in a great spot, a lot of pressure comes with it because you, you don't want to see the offense take a step back after they were so good a, a year ago. Yeah, and it's really they've already built the chemistry. You know, it's not like he's the new offensive coordinator and doesn't have a rapport with Josh. They've right. been around each other a couple of years. I mean, right. the They're trust buddies. is there. They're in friends, fact, yeah. in fact, let's face it, when the opening happened, an offensive coordinator, Josh made it pretty Here's clear the there was someone in the building yeah. that he liked. And let's the, face it, yeah. that's a big reason why Ken Dorsey's sitting in it. Quarterback coach, spot. people say, what does he do? Is he coach Josh? Well, actually, the – Dayball and Ken Dorsey now they coach Josh hands on. That the quarterback coach notoriously has been the guy that the quarterback would sit down with and moan and complain. Say, I, "What? I, that, I, what do you do? What, how, why is this? Why is this? Why am I doing this? What's going on with it? I don't like this. I don't like that. Da, 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 tell him to change that. Da, 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 da. And vice versa, the offensive coordinator can tell the quarterback's coach, "Say, hey." Get your boy shaping up. We can't do this. That, 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 you know, they, they can, it's unvarnished communication, right? But they don't do it to each other. They do it through the quarterback's coach. So the quarterback has, particularly now, has a relationship with Ken Dorsey that he can just go to sure. him and say, dude, you know I hate that. We can't, and Dorsey will say, well, wait a minute. You know what I mean? So there's that level of communication that happens with the quarterback coach. And it's important. Because there's human beings and there's dynamics at work in the workplace. You gotta you gotta feel good about each other, even if you fought tooth and nail all week. When you get to game the game, you're just like, okay, now we're all right. I get it. Let's go. That's important. It's really really important. Yeah, you cut that middleman out of the yes. of the equation of the communication. Yes. and that's important. It's a different dynamic than it was with Dayball. Now Dayball was a personable guy, and he was coaching. I mean, he was coaching him hard, and Josh would bust on him. I mean, I witnessed it. Sure, you know they were buddies, and they're all buddies. They're all close friends. But when you need to commiserate with somebody who was not the play caller or the you know, you, there's a guy. And Maddie talked about it. The other thing is, and Josh has said it frequently. The fact that Ken wore the helmet, yes. Is is big in Josh's world. He yeah. he knows that he 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 has a lot of respect for those that. guys. Yeah. it means something to those guys. Sure. No question about it. Also, we got another one. We continue the preview of the camp with another installment. Um, Connors and Ferris sponsored this one as well. Maddie Glab, Chris Brown. They're going to break down the impact that Von Miller is going to have on the defense. What we could expect from a revamped defensive front. Here's Chris Brown. Welcome to another installment of Camp Countdown presented by Connors and Ferris, Chris Brown, and Maddie Clab with you. We're here to talk defensive line. And I don't have to tell you, Maddie, that through the course of the offseason, it was Buffalo's defensive front that underwent the most turnover with five new free agent additions, the biggest of which was Von Miller, to the tune of six years and $120 million. But, Maddie, Miller is the linchpin. 
on which the improvement of Buffalo's pass rush hangs here, right? Yeah, the Bills swung big when they went after Von Miller, and I think they're hoping, that I don't think, they are hoping that the return is going to be big too. I mean, this team wanted and needed somebody who could really get after that quarterback, and he happens to be one of the best in the NFL. He comes in with 115 sacks and seven seasons of double-digit sacks. He shows up in big games and when the Bills will need it the most. He brings that veteran presence to the defensive line, which is going to be a huge help. Um, And the Bills had 42 sacks last season. Miller should be able to take that group to the next level this year. We know it's not all about sacks. We hear defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier talk about that a lot. You know, it's about quarterback hits, um, affecting the quarterback, moving the quarterback out of his out of the way where he's comfortable at. And I think Von Miller is going to be a big asset on the defensive line when it comes to talking and thinking and doing all of that. Yeah, witnessing what he did in the playoffs alone, which is where I think a lot of that $120 million price tag is coming from because that's when they're going to want him to perform. He had four sacks, like eight quarterback Mm -hmm. hits, a couple of forced fumbles. That's the kind of production they're going to need in the biggest games of the season. Coach Frazier said the rotation will continue up front this season, and I think that's because he wants Von Miller to be fresh in the fourth quarter when there's a got-to-have-it play. He's fresh and able to deliver, and that's the difference that Miller, quite frankly, needs to make, providing a big play at the most important time. But Miller's impact is expected to go beyond just what he can do on the field individually. There is a trickle-down effect here from Miller, right, Maddie? So we look at that and how much attention he draws from opposing defenses that should provide the younger pass rushers on the other side with a lot of good opportunities. I mean, this is your bang for your buck, right? You're, you're not just getting somebody who, who can sack a quarterback. You're getting somebody who's going to teach the entire line all of the tools that he has in his toolbox. And you look at the defensive line, there's a bunch of young guys who would love some experience, some teachable moments, all of that. Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham are going to soak up every little thing that Von Miller has to say. And we've heard from several defensive linemen in OTAs and in mandatory minicamp explaining just how excited they are to play alongside Von Miller. I mean, shoot, Ed Oliver said... He's going to make my life so much easier. He's going to draw those double teams so younger players like Ed, AJ, Greg, and Boogie are going to be able to shine. I think it's also important to point out that pass rush summit that he hosted. And and you heard AJ Epinesa and Greg Rousseau talk about um, how awesome it was to be out there and and to have that experience and to be able to learn uh, some of the techniques that Von Miller has, some of the moves that Von Miller has, I think, when you put it all together, these three younger defensive linemen mm-hmm. should have better seasons uh, in 2022. And it's probably important to note, too, that Miller isn't trying to change Rousseau no. or Epinesa or Basham's game. He's trying to add to what they already mm-hmm. have, help them improve upon the tools that got them here in the first place. As much as Miller is expected to be a shot in the arm for Buffalo's pass rush, one could argue that the additions on Buffalo's defensive interior could make the one average area of Buffalo's defense better. The Bills' defense ranked tops in the league in 2021 in total defense, pass defense, third down defense, scoring defense, but they were 13th in run defense. And while that's respectable, it was clear that Brandon Bean and Coach McDermott wanted to upgrade their run 
stopping ability. Yeah, when Buffalo faced those run-heavy teams last year, they sometimes struggled. It's not all on the defensive line, but it definitely starts there. So they've added to the interior to plug up some of those holes, and I think these additions can really be a help from day one and be a nice also addition to that rotation that Leslie Frazier Mm -hmm. has talked about keeping. I mean, they bring in players like Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips returns as well. Jones has eight years of NFL experience. Settle is younger but still has a lot of potential. I think, and Ed Oliver has spoken so highly of playing next to Jordan Phillips. I think he's really excited to welcome him back to the team as well. Yeah, you go back to 2019, who were the people that led the team in sacks? Yeah. Jordan Phillips with nine and a half, Shaq Lawson was second with six and a half, mm-hmm. and they were also one and two in tackles for loss. So I think the impact that the additions on the defensive interior could have are vastly underrated. All right, so Maddie, opinion time. Which of those improvements helps the most? You know, we've added so many different players to this defensive line. So Von Miller is just one piece. And then we we talked about uh, several other pieces that are new. But I still think Von Miller is going to help the most. He is the exact type of piece and player they wanted on the defensive line. Somebody who can put pressure on the quarterback. And he just happens to be one of the best in the league to do exactly that. Steve and I have talked about it on our One Bills Live show. Von Miller's a closer. Yeah. And so if this team is up in games late, he's a guy that's going to be sealing victories with big plays at the end of the game when the other team's trying to climb back into it, throw the ball all over the place. He's going to be taking the quarterback down to kind of thwart those things. But I think that the guys on the defensive interior will make an impact. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But yes, Miller is the headliner. (laughs) And for good reason. Stay tuned to buffalobills.com and to One Bills Live for all your training camp updates. For Maddie Glab, I'm Chris Brown. Brownie, Maddie, thank you very much. That's a good, good stuff on the defensive line. Certainly high expectations with all the new faces. And I think one of the things that I take away from that, you know, uh, Josh, is that they're going to be more difficult. It's going to be more difficult to run the football on this team, even w- when it's on passing downs. I mean, they're going to have some guys up front that are big. More bigger and more athletic than they've had over the past handful of years. Yeah, you know this off season they they bring in a lot of new faces. We've we've seen that um, the rotation that Sean likes to use up front. You know he he never seems to put a huge right. burden of snaps on on guys. But right. it's going to be interesting to see how that number works with Von Miller because Von Miller's a guy that's used to being out on the football field. I don't think Von Miller is right. going to be okay with a you know a fifty right. percent snap count, if you will. Well, it's, it'll be. I don't think he'll mind too much if in the fourth quarter of a close game he's taking snaps. Sure, uh, you know what I mean. And I, I'll say this: I, I've got this text loop I talk about once in a while called the Five Presidents. It's Bruce, Jim, Thurman, Andre, Cornelius, Bennett, Chris Moore, Will Wolford, and me. It's like eight of us, mm-hmm. and I call it the Five Presidents because those Hall of Famers are on there. And we, we start talking. When they signed Vaughn, you know, that little text sure. loop was going crazy. And Bruce chimes on. He goes, you know what they got? They got a guy who can finish games. And I think a little bit of that is what we wish for. I don't know that it's going to happen the way everybody thinks it's going to But what we wish for, this, this team needs a guy that can make a splash play in that area, the pass rush. They need a guy who can come through when a, when a team needs it to finish a game, get a big sack on a – fourth down, third down, whatever, 
and finish a game. That's what that's his reputation. That's what he has done during during his career. He's a, he's a Super Bowl MVP for that reason. And I don't know that it's just hopeful, wishful thinking, or that that guy actually has it in him. Because there's not a play out there when a guy's not trying to make a play when it's first and ten in the first quarter, as well as third and fifteen in the fourth quarter. But he does have that reputation. There is that about him that, and that's what this team people are wishing for because this team didn't have that. Yeah, they got they a were guy. not spectacular defensively. Yeah, they got a guy now that can change the game. He, he gets to the quarterback. He right. might not just sack the quarterback. He may strip the ball. He may pick it up and go 30 yards for a touchdown. Right. And that's the thing. This, as good as a defense, as solid as it was statistically, they were good. They were tough. They were great. They were number one in, in a hand, more than a handful of important statistics, not the least of which they were top two or three in points allowed, which is the statistic. Got to keep them off the board. Right. So, but they're a team that is – I keep saying it. Man – Turnovers weren't their mantra. Big plays, tackles for loss wasn't their mantra. Passes knocked down, sacks, none of that stuff. You didn't have any of that going on, but they were tough to score on, tough to move the ball on. They were statistically really good, while the eye test, I don't know if they pass it in a lot of ways. They were the greatest tasting vanilla ice cream you've (laughs) ever had. Right? Yeah. Right? Exactly. I mean, they were the best. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. That's right. Okay, Josh Reed, Steve Task. We're going to take a break, come back, and go over the tweet sheet. We've got a lot of contributions from people like you who are listening who've got a way to improve the National Football League. We're going to talk about that right after the break. This is One Bills Live, and this is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker, Josh Reed with you until the top of the hour. We're, we're finding ways to improve the National Football League. We've got a, a caller on the line, uh, Bob from Amherst. Bob, you heard, I don't know if you heard our uh, conversation about changing the extra point rules, but let's hear what you have to say. Bob, you're on the air. Yeah, uh, yeah. thanks, guys. Um, yeah, the one thing that's really annoyed me is that a guy will have an opportunity to possibly kick – 50, 60 extra points in a season. I don't know the statistics on it, but and maybe miss two of them and maybe one will get blocked. And to me, you either run it in or you pass it in. But this, that, that kicking the extra points really, just really annoyed me. I, I've followed football since the early 50s, Steve Van Buren and Hugh McElhaney and all those guys. Right. You know, I, I, I know a little bit about football history at, at any rate. Uh, and as far as kicking field goals, I just get one point over 50 yards, you know, and, you know, and, and they got four, they get four downs to go 10 yards. That's two and a half yards of carry, you know, and, uh, you know, and if you, if you lose the, you know, you lose control of the ball, the other team gets it. I know it probably sounds outrageously crazy. So but do you God. think so, Bob? Let me ask you: Do you think they should move it, move the extra point back further, or narrow the uprights, or just take it out of the game completely? Uh, take, uh, I would say don't don't kick it. Don't, just don't kick the extra point. Yeah, where would you? What uh, yard line would you take the extra point from? Then, if you got to go for two, or if, award them two, or what? Would you go for for two, or would it be just one point for one play, or what yard line would you put the ball on? Oh, I would say I would say just go for the you know for one point and uh, put the ball where it's where it already 
where they already have it, you know, from. Oh, okay. So you, what you do, so you're telling me just run an offensive play from the two yard line. You get one That's point right. for a successful play and zero points for none and, and lose the kicker. Right. Right. Well, I mean, lose the, lose the kicker for as far as extra point. Right. I still have kickoffs at the be you know, after the touchdown and, I, I don't like. I'm not crazy about punting. You know, I'm not crazy about that either. And as far as, like I said, the field goal, you know, give them one point over 50 yards. And what about you know, what about and, uh, less than 50 yards? Pardon me. What if he kicks one less than 50 yards? Well, you don't. You don't kick it. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. You don't. Okay. You don't kick it. You'll. You lose You're after four downs. You lose control okay. of the ball. Yeah. Bob hates kickers. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I'll, I give Bob a lot of credit. He's been watching some football for a few years now, and unlike you know your typical traditionalist, Bob Bob's he's okay with being outside the box. I yeah, like that. He, well, I, I'll say this: it's a, it's a, <laughs> I like it's a, it, Bob. It's a league that's driven by uh, by stars, and you want to have stars on the field more and kickers can be great players and all that but they're not the guys who run and throw and pass and all that i and yeah more offense the better you got josh allen on the field one more play in in that drive rather than uh rather than a kicker i i get it um and it will you know it will make your short yardage and your goal line offense take a new a little bit more of a prominent role no question um i'd have to go down i'd have that's a deep rabbit hole that you got to go down and think through all of that and what it will look like for teams to have to go for it and get one point for it not two just one yeah just so you're eliminating the extra point right you're going you're going for one but it's with your offense it's no longer worth two it's worth one but it's with your offense and you, can you imagine too you get one point for a 50 yard field goal I mean, there that, would be nobody would be kicking field. You'd almost just take the field goalposts off the field, <laughs> right? You wouldn't. You wouldn't be kicking without, field goals. You, that's the only reason you'd need the field the goalposts. That's the opposite <clears throat> of our theory of giving more points for field goals because you're incentivizing almost field goals. This is getting rid of. You're right. Bob's not a fan of kickers. Take the take the goalposts down. Wow, that's big. All right, so. We've got. We've been asking this question all day, and that was Bob was a contributor. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. We're going to take some tweet sheets now. We've been getting contributions throughout the show as to how to improve the National Football League, fully knowing uh, deep in our hearts that it's really not broken at the moment. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, it's the 800-pound gorilla on the sports landscape. So, But there are ways to improve it, and it gets so much attention. People kind of know the nuances of it and have some suggestions as to what they'd like to see better. So we get our first tweet tweet sheet uh, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills from Jeremy. He says it's time, I think, for the divisions to get readjusted. Green Bay has fed on bad teams for decades, just like New England feasted on a terrible division for a while. Seeing a change or so every 10 years would be a cool thing, in my opinion. It's a good move by Jeremy. And we talked about this. I had I went down the list how I would do it. For the TV networks, you would just go by television markets, go from top to bottom, and the, the largest four go in one division, which would be, think about it, it would be the Chargers and the Rams in a division with the Jets and the Giants. It's the big markets. Those are the and they would biggest. have a home and home every – they'd have two home and homes, 
They play on the road in, a, in their same stadium. The Jets Giants would play twice in that stadium, once as the home team, once as the visiting team in the division. Then they'd go to L.A. twice and play those two teams. Um, interesting division that would be. Then it comes down to, I think it was Chicago, Philly, and I can't remember. Dallas, what, maybe? Dallas and Boston. No, it was, I don't know what it was. I can't remember. Here we go. Uh, no, nah, I don't have it. I don't have it. I, can't, I, I lost it. It was, you know, it was be strictly by city size. And the divisions were pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Um, it was like Dallas, Washington, Chicago, and Philly, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you just call that. And the, the, the last one would have been the last division would be Buffalo, Jacksonville, New Orleans, Vegas, and Vegas. As we talked before the show, I don't mind the idea of going to Vegas every year and New Orleans every and year. And New Orleans every year. And Jacksonville. The beaches are great. I, here's the thing. I, I'm all about it. I like realignment. And it's happened a couple of times during my lifetime. They've done it because they had different teams and expansion. And they moved, Seattle's been an AFC team and an NFC team. Um, that kind of thing. It, it's interesting to me to think about that. And I get it, too. I mean, the old guards, Chicago's and Detroit's and, you know, and Green Bay's, they don't want to change divisions because they've got these rivalries. You know what? Chicago and Green if, – if Chicago and Detroit want to have a say – they need to play better. They have, they've caught lightning in a bottle once, twice over the last 50 years, and that's been it for them. Detroit hasn't done that. Um, let's move them around a little bit. Let, let's, let's try something different. I, and I don't mind it. Change the, change the divisions in the, you know, every 10 years or so. Yeah, I like that. I think that. it would add some I, spice. If you're going to change it, then do that. Make it make it so that it's constantly moving, not constantly, but every five, ten years. Right. Do it that way. I'm, yeah. And you want to talk about getting a chance to see different players in different teams more different often cities. in different cities because we know. I mean, you know this. The Bills fan base travels more than any fan base. Right. You're going to get a chance to go to a di- a group of different cities every single year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You start rotating right. divisionally like that. Yeah, I've always said this too, and it, it's it's really hard to think about it because it's such a it's such a deep, complicated process and issue to get your mind around. Think about this: What if the Bills are playing, you know, the Tennessee Titans? Wouldn't it in in October, or November? Wouldn't it be if you're going to Nashville? Wouldn't it be kind of awesome to have the Bills play at one o'clock on a Sunday in whatever it is, a Nissan Stadium? And Saturday night, have the Sabres playing the Predators. Oh, awesome. Right? Uh, yeah. Have, have the Boston, have Buffalo in Boston, or have the Bruins in Buffalo Saturday night, and the next day, the Patriots play the Bills. You, every NHL team and, and NFL team could do that. Yeah. Denver, the Rockies, and the Broncos, the Carolina Panthers. The, the Lightning. The Lightning. Uh, all of that. You just go down the list. There's a whole bunch of them. And it, you could do it with NBA teams, too, at certain points points of the season, too. Late, uh, maybe not. Yeah, late. Yeah, in, sure. Sure. So I think it's a great idea to overlap those schedules because you'd get the cities themselves outside the league would love it because fans would travel for that. Two games on a weekend, your two teams, your favorite players playing in that city night after. You know what I mean? Sure. It just makes yeah, a lot yeah. of sense to me. And I think if they could do it. And there's, you know, you got – here in Buffalo, Kim and Terry own both clubs. In Boston, um, you've got the P- 
um, Robert Kraft and the Jacobs family. You'd have to, you know, cross re- and you'd have to get the leagues to kind of mesh together. But man, I think that's a great. It idea. would be fun. I think it'd be fun. Well, a lot. Of, that's one way you could do it a, l- a little better. We're going to come back. We're going to take a break. We'll get a couple more tweet sheets off the tweet sheet before we wrap things up. Steve Tasker, Josh Reed, a One Bills Live. This is Buffalo Bills Radio, presented by Kaleida Hill. Welcome back to One Bills Live. We're going to go back uh, to the tweet sheet to hear your suggestions for improving the National Football League. And here's one from, from Dino. He says, introduce a referee's press conference after every game to discuss the calls that were made, the ways they can improve for the next game, and also announce referee firings, hirings, and replacements the same way we announce free agent signings and trades. Nobody's interested in hearing who the referees are because they don't know them. And... They are – listen, I know people think these refs do stuff. That they are held accountable by the league. They get upgraded, downgraded. They get talked to. They get reprimanded. They get all kinds of stuff. They are held accountable for the calls they made. And nobody was worse on the officials than me. I was absolutely incorrigible in the way I treated those guys because I, I, I just went off my rocker. I was so out of control. I know – and after – that I've – spent some time with them they take it seriously they try to get it right they don't ha- you know they are extremely professional guys and i'm i'm i've been impressed with the guys that i've known much like the how i love the idea of the postseason and being able to pick Choose the team your you opponent. play <laughs> i like this too because from my seat in the media i love the idea of getting a chance to speak to the officials right after the game because once again, there would be some spice to that. Oh, my gosh. And it'd can, you be imagine, great. can you imagine the postgame of the Rams at New Orleans when they missed that pass oh, interference? Oh, oh, my gosh. What? There's a lot of games that can go into that category. All right. All right. We're off the air tomorrow. We'll be back on the air Friday tomorrow, 12 to 3, Sabres Live. And they're going to be live from the Sabres Development Camp downtown. For Josh Reed, Steve Tasker, we'll talk to you on Friday, everybody.